welcome to episode two of the Gamble Pod, our NFL high variance gambling podcast. We are dedicated in the preseason here to best ball formats, in season to DFS formats, and lots of random gambling advice in between. I'm your host, Josh Crawford, aka A. Ivanovich, aka The Gambler, and today is our intro to stacking episode where we'll be talking about stacking lineups in the draft best ball championship format. We're going to break down some of the stacks I like and why I'm pursuing them. But if you aren't playing best ball yet, if you don't know what the best ball championship is, and you want to play for some big money, go on over to draft.com backslash roar. That's draft.com backslash roar, R-O-A-R. Help support the show and get going on the best ball championship. Uh, as you know from the previous episode, that the championship itself is a $25 buy-in, $1 million first prize contest with 166,000 people in it. Um, and what I'm excited about is they just released their first mini championship, which is a $5 buy-in with $20,000 first prize. Um, that is uh, about a quarter, uh, a quarter the size of the best ball championship, uh, player pool wise. Um, so this is a much more realistic tournament to win. It's also a great way to get lots of practice if you're planning on putting lots of lineups into uh, the best ball championship itself. So get on over to draft.com/roar and get started. Um, so. What are we talking about when we're talking about stacking? I'll give you a quick example to illustrate the point here, and then we're going to dive into the hows and whys of, of doing making stacks, and then we're going to get into my favorite stacks that I'm currently pursuing and playing. Um, so here's, here's a quick example. Um, let's take a look at Green Bay. Great, high-powered offense. We expect big things from this offense. Um, we expect Rodgers to have a bounce back year. Uh, there's some uh, question mark pieces here, but the emergence of people like Ger Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, um, and of course uh, the continued uh, excellent production of Devontae Adams are all expected this year. So when we're talking about stacking, what we're really thinking about is how many of these pieces do we want to put together in a single lineup and what's the advantage of that? Um, and I use the Green Bay example to start because it's it's kind of interesting. Obviously, you're grab, you have to grab Devontae Adams in the first round if you want him in your stack. You have no other choice. He goes at 8.5 overall. Typically, he, he's never around in the second round. Um, then the next player that you have to grab if, you, if you're going to make the stack is Aaron Rodgers. He's going at 72.6 overall. This puts him in the sixth or seventh round. Um, but obviously, you have no stack without Rodgers. Uh, this then brings us to Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Allison has an ADP of 93.4. MBS has an ADP of 94.4. They're back-to-back -back in the rankings. They're back-to-back -back in the wide receiver rankings. And if you start your stack with... Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, and then you get to this point, you're at a decision point. And these are the sort of things that we want to be thinking about as we're thinking about designing our stacks and what to do with them. So you have a couple options. You can say, you know what, 
Toronto Malhausen's my guy this year or MVS is my guy this year. I'm 100% in on one or the other of them. I'm fading one of them. Um, and you can go all in. You can build this stack every single time with, let's say, MVS. You think he's got more upside, second-year receiver. Uh, you saw something you liked last year. You don't think Toronto Allison is going to recover well from injury. Whatever the case may be, you can do that. Or another option is to say, you know what? I love the Green Bay stack. I love being in on this offense. I love Devontae Adams paired up with Aaron Rodgers. I think I'm getting lots of touchdowns there. And I think there's going to be a secondary receiver who's going to emerge. I just don't know who it is. So you can split half your stacks with Allison, half your stacks with MVS. Um, you can you can lean one way or the other, maybe go 70-30. So these are the kind of decisions we're making in drafts uh, when we're on the clock, when we got 30 seconds to decide, and you've you've taken a bunch of Geronimo Allison, and, and your your resolve starts to fade, and you say, you know what, maybe maybe it is time to grab an MVS here. Um, so that's what we're looking at. So there's our quick example. Now before we really break down a bunch of different potential stacks and why I like these different players. I want to slow down for just a minute and talk about how we stack and why we stack. We're going to we're going to move that fast through a lot of players, but I want to spend some time here. The how we stack is the mechanics. It's what rounds do we draft these players in? Where does it where does it look uh, where where are we left once we've drafted these players? What what positions do we need to fill? Um, how many players in our stacks? Obviously, if you wanted to just fill out a full Green Bay stack or a, a full stack from any team, you could grab six seven players from that team. That's not going to be a good strategy. But stacking doesn't just mean one quarterback and one pass catcher from a team. That can be an effective strategy. But sometimes you can you can get a, go a little bit further by by getting a few more pieces of that offense. So so this is the how this is the mechanics. It's about planning ahead, filling positions of need, knowing that at certain points in the draft you're going to have to take players from your stack in in certain rounds, leaving you uh, required to fill out a, a position like a, a running back position. Um, that you you were ignoring in order to focus on your stack. Um, so, for example, let's say you decide you want um, Kelsey Mahomes uh, in a stack, and you're also you also want to put a pass catcher, an, another pass catcher from that offense, whether it be Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins. Um, so, so you're putting together this stack. You've spent a first rounder on Kelsey. Uh, a late third on Mahomes, a fourth on Tyreek, or a fifth on Sammy Watkins, which means you have gone potentially three out of your first four or three out of your first five rounds um, just on this Kansas City offense, just with pass catchers and Mahomes. It means you're really going to need to be looking at the running back position. Um, and, and what happens is it takes a while. It takes several rounds, really even, even five, ten rounds sometimes, to get stabilized and to make up for the fact that you were in some ways ignoring running back in these early rounds. It doesn't mean it's a bad strategy. It just means you need to have a plan as you're putting together this stack. If you want Kelsey and Mahomes and Sammy Watkins in a stack, which absolutely could be a great 
championship winning stack if they all perform to to expectation or above expectation then you're going to need to fill in the pieces later so so that's that's an illustration of how you can get backed into a corner in certain in certain ways where you're going to need to round out these positions later on in a draft um, another thing that we're thinking about it when we're when we're discussing the mechanics of building a stack is um, when to reach and when to give yourself outs. For example, if you decide you want to, to run a couple Green Bay stacks in a row and you want Devontae Adams, obviously you have to have Rodgers, but other than that, you're going to let the players come to you. You have some options here. Um, you grab Adams in the first, you grab Rodgers in let's say the sixth um, or the fifth, maybe you reach a little bit for him because you absolutely know you want to build this stack. Um, and then you're sitting there and you can sit back and you can say, okay, if Geronimo Allison or MBS is available in round eight, and maybe they aren't, um, that's around their value. But if they're available there, I'll grab them. But if they aren't, maybe I'll just wait till round 12 or 13 and Jimmy Graham is sitting there. Um, and if that doesn't work out and, and all three of those players are gone, um, I'll grab uh, Equinemius St. Brown in a later round. Um, or maybe you even want to look at Jake Kummerow in round 18. Um, all of these things are options. One thing is for sure, though. If you're going to complete the stack, you're going to have to get Rodgers. And that means you might have to reach for Rodgers. Um, don't, don't worry about that. When, when we're building stacks, uh, we're not worried about reaching a round or a half a round ahead just to get a, a player to complete our stack. Aaron Rodgers going off the board right now is the fourth quarterback behind Mahomes, Andrew Luck, and Deshaun Watson. If you reach for Rodgers in the fifth round or early sixth round and Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck are still on the board, or, or one of them is still on the board. Don't feel bad about it. If Rodgers outperforms them this year, then you've made the right move anyways. This is, what comes up here is, is uh, the psychology of reaching to a certain extent. If you in your heart know Rodgers is going to outperform Luck and Watson, you don't have to wait for those two quarterbacks to go off the board in order to grab Rodgers. Just grab him. And yeah, other players in your draft might look at you and or, or think to themselves that you've made a mistake but if he finishes the year with more fantasy points you made absolutely no mistake um so so don't worry about reaching when you're stacking especially when you feel great about how your lineup's going and you're looking at that guy let's say that that will fuller or or um let's say you're looking at jimmy graham and it's round 11 and you don't like any of the other tight ends, and you got Adams and Rodgers, and you just think this is Jimmy Graham's year, he's re-emerging, grab him in round 11. Don't even worry about it. Grab him ahead of five other tight ends. The, the separation between tight ends at that point is so small um, that if you are right about Jimmy Graham, you, it's absolutely no problem to, to reach for him five players, five tight ends ahead of where he normally goes. Um, so a little bit more on the mechanics, the how of stacking. Some, some questions um, we, we should ask. Can you stack a quarterback with a running back? Can you stack a quarterback with a tight end? Um, the short answer for both of those is yes. 
it's a little bit more nuanced than that though um for for the long answer is for quarterbacks and tight ends mostly you can stack them um but I really want to make sure that that tight end, I, I feel like that tight end is going to be able to outperform their, their ADP, outperform their value. If they're going off the board as uh, tight end 15, I want to, I want to know that they can perf- perform as a tight end five over the course of the year. Um, so, f- for example, I don't, I don't love oj howard this year i he's being drafted at at an adp of 51 this puts him like late fourth early fifth round um that's not really a a place i'm trying to get oj howard i kind of think that that's his ceiling um i think james and james is going off the board as qb12 i won't say that's his ceiling but I don't really expect him to perform that much better than QB12. But if you want the Jameis OJ Howard stack, now I'm not so worried about drafting them at their ceiling because you have to expect to, them to perform at their ceiling anyways. So for me, Howard is a player that I, I'm not really going to consider for most of the time. Um, but I, I will consider him if, um, if I, if it's what I need to complete the stack that I want, um, leave that stack aside. I'm, I'm not too interested in the Tampa Bay stack. Um, if that's something that you're interested in, you can pursue that a little bit more. Now, quarterback running back, this is a tougher stack to make, but it does have upside. Um, and it has a little bit, there's some, some nice potential to be, uh, to, to do some fun things here. So when I'm uh, stacking a quarterback and a running back and, and keep in mind, I'm not talking about just having a quarterback and a running back from the same team in my stack. I'm almost always going to have a pass catcher as well, a a wide receiver or tight end. Um, but when I'm drafting a a running back for a stack, I want to satisfy three conditions. I want number one, they have to be a pass catcher that gets catches, yards, and touchdowns. They can't just be a guy who gets goes out there and gets six catches for 45 yards every game. It's got to be somebody who can, can close. It's got to be somebody who can put the ball in the end zone. There's, there's enough of these pass catching backs out there who can do that. Um, we'll get into a few of them shortly, um, but they have to be able to, to perform in all three categories. Number two, they need to outperform their value. So, for example, think of James White and Tariq Cohen last year. Um, James Co- James White and Tariq Cohen last year were being drafted in the 12th, 11th, 10th, 9th, 8th round, depending on where you were drafting them in the offseason. Um, this year, they're going much, much earlier than that. They're going 5th or 6th round for, for these guys. Um, this is, in my opinion, they're being, they're being even 4th round for James White sometimes. Um, in my opinion, they're being drafted at their ceiling. So I have a, I have a difficult time seeing James White or, or Tariq Cohen outperforming their value, outperforming their ADP this year. So I'm not really looking to stack James White or Tariq Cohen. It's not that you can't do it. If, if you're into those teams, if, if you think those offenses are, are going to cook this year, then, then go for it. But I just don't think so. I think they're at their ceiling. Then I look at a guy like Chris Thompson – who is being drafted, I'll have to pull it up, but I think it's a 190s. 
Um, you look at a guy like Chris Thompson. I think he's being drafted as his absolute floor. Yeah, one, ADP of 192. You can get this guy in the 16th round, 15th round. Um, this has to be his floor. We know what Chris Thompson can do. We know. He, I mean, granted, he hasn't been healthy. Um, but even even with a season where he's halfway healthy, he's going to outperform this. Um, so, and, and if we can get 12 games out of Chris Thompson, he could easily perform at a, a eighth, ninth round value. So, so um, number one, gotta get, gotta perform in all the metrics, pass catching metrics. Number two, it's gotta outperform the value. And number three, I want it to be a stack that makes me unique. So, for example, I'm not playing Derek Carr this year, but if you had Derek Carr with Jalen Richard and Antonio Brown, you're going to be pretty unique. A lot of people are going to have Derek Carr with Antonio Brown. That just makes sense. Every touchdown Brown catches is a is a Derek Carr touchdown. Um, but if you compare him up with Jalen Richard, and not and Jalen Richard satisfies the other two conditions, outperforms his 18th round value, and and does so by scoring lots of touchdowns, catching lots of balls for lots of yards then all of a sudden you're up against a lot of people with Derek Carr and Antonio Brown, but none of them have Jalen Richard and you have potential to win big weeks. And really we need to make a pause here and, and get refocused on what we're really trying to do. We're trying to win 12 weeks. We're, we're trying to be the best in our draft for 12 weeks out of 12 players. You have to win. And then you need to win against new sets of new pools of players for weeks 13 14 15 and 16 each week week 13 14 15 16 is an individual tournament um, that you have to you have to place in the top three in if you don't understand the format go to draft look up the best ball championship you'll get an idea for what i'm talking about but what we're thinking about is okay a bunch of people made it through with antonio brown and Derek carr because they were they really performed well this year but how many of them were playing Jalen Richard in week 14 when Jalen Richard went eight for 90 and two touchdowns or something like that um not not many not hopefully none um so those are our three conditions there's a fourth condition it's not necessary but it's nice and it's will they become the number one back on their team if the RB1 goes down um an example that sort of springs to mind that we're going to talk about in just a moment is with Cincinnati. Um, Gio Bernard, great pass catching back, could could outperform his value this year, could do very well. But if Joe Mixon goes down, Gio Bernard all of a sudden has a much bigger role. Um, so that's a bonus as well. Um, so let's get on to why we stack. And I, I sort of alluded to this with uh, the reference to being unique and how to win these tournaments. But here, let's, let's break down the why. The, the simple and the obvious one is we're trying to score more points on any given play than our opponents. And the way that we score more points on any play against a bunch of people who all drafted the same guys, let's say it's week 14, and, and um, it, it, week 14 of last year, I would say, or maybe week 13, probably 50% of the lineups had Patrick Mahomes as their as their quarterback, um, just because Patrick Mahomes was a late round pick, uh, he became a the obvious sensation, huge huge value pick, and he carried a lot of teams to that final. So 
we want to be the ones who, when we are in week 13, not only do we have Patrick Mahomes, but we have Kelsey, who he's throwing all the touchdowns to, or we have Tyreek Hill, who he's throwing all the touchdowns to. And a, a lot of the teams that we're up against had that as well. But this is the obvious, this is the obvious reason. When, when Kelsey catches a touchdown from Mahomes, we don't get six points from Kelsey's TD. We get 10 because uh, Mahomes gets the four for the passing TD, plus the yards, plus the reception, everything. You're getting both sides of it. This is really just extending a concept from D DSF. I mean, it's the same as stacking in DFS. Let's get the most possible value we can get out of every given play. The second reason we stack, or the second philosophy behind stacking, is we're trying to capture pieces of offenses that are going to outperform expectations. And this is probably the most important thing that you should be doing when you're analyzing what stacks to make. You really need to be thinking, you need to look at an offense and say, is the world wrong about this offense? Is Vegas wrong about it? Is the general public wrong about it? Are the, is this an offense that's going to outperform expectations this year? Um, if, if you think that that's the case, then just start trying to identify the pieces within that offense that you think will outperform expectations. Or if you just think it as a blanket philosophy, just build a bunch of stacks. You, you can make hundreds of these lineups. Um, build, you know, stack the same offense 20 times in a row with different pieces of it. Um, grab the third wide receiver sometimes. Grab the, the tight end and the, and the one and the two wide receivers sometimes. You know, whatever, whatever you like. And that's going to help make you unique which is our third point on why we stack and i already touched on this a little bit stacking gives us a chance to build unique lineups that other players don't have in order to win the best ball championship in order to win a million dollars you need to beat 166,000 other players so how do you get unique enough to beat 166,000 people well let's go back to our green bay example um Fade Devontae Adams. Just skip him in the first round. Grab Aaron Rodgers. And then grab Geronimo Allison and MBS. Um, they're both guys who typically you can't get because they typically go one right after the other. So reach around for Allison. Reach around for MBS. Or if you're at the turn or close to the turn, grab them right in a row before anybody's thinking about them. Now you're, you have such a unique stack because it's difficult to manage within, within a draft. Uh, it's difficult. It's, it's just difficult to get those two players just naturally. But on top of that, you've now faded Devontae Adams, who's the, the classic uh, number one to put in that stack. If Devontae Adams goes down with an injury and it turns out MVS and Geronimo Allison pick up all the work and Rodgers has a great year, all of these things are possible. Nobody wants to see it happen. Um, but if that happens, you have a really unique stack. Um, or do something like grab Kelsey, Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Sammy Watkins. So now you, you, four of your first five rounds, you've gra grabbed Kansas City Chiefs. That's ugly. Nobody wants to get buried like that. You get absolutely buried for most of the season you are you're playing you're playing catch up to a certain extent because even though we like when Mahomes throws a, a touchdown to Kelsey that means Tyreek and Sammy Watkins are 
essentially sitting on the sidelines generating no points for us. So you have to be sort of a wizard later in the draft to make up for the fact that two of your first uh, five-round picks are, are kind of sitting on the bench for most plays. Now, you can do it. There's in we, If you go back to episode one, we talk about late-round value or value plays. You can grab those four guys, and nobody wants to do that. So there's a, there's a way to be really unique. Go fill in a bunch of value after after that and, and see if, if uh, the Chiefs can repeat their performance from last year. All right. So these are our how and our why. One last thought on this as you're, as you're drafting, as you're getting into this, as you're getting your hands on some, jump into these $5 drafts, get into them, and get a feel for them. And what I will tell you is it's not always going to work. You're going to have a plan. The plan's going to get blown up in your face when somebody reaches in a spot that you didn't think they would and they grab your guy or all of a sudden it's just it's just not working out and you realize you've it's the sixth round and you haven't drafted a running back yet just plan to pivot pivot regularly don't feel bad about it at all what i do is i kind of go into a drafting session and i say okay i'm gonna draft three or four drafts in a row i kind of get them all rolling at the same time or or kind of wait a few rounds get another one going and I say, okay, I'm really going to go after, uh, uh, let's say, the Green Bay stack right now. Um, but I don't really know what it's going to look like. I'm going to let things fill in around it. And sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. Just let that happen. And what, what you're going to see as you get better and better at knowing where the pivot points are and knowing where the inflection points are in these drafts is that um, sometimes you'll take a, a strategy into a draft and – you'll get blown off of it early and all of a sudden you'll realize a, a, another stack later in the draft opens up to you. We're going to talk about some of those stacks in a, in a minute, some some late round stacks that I really like. So don't stress when things get blown up in your face. Just keep on moving and see what develops. So let's dive into it. Some stacks that I like. Um, and just so you know, we're going to do more in-depth strategy sessions on uh, stacking and, and just general drafting strategies for best balls. So so we'll get a lot more into the strategy of it. Um, but let's look at some stacks. We kind of took a look at Green Bay and the Chiefs. Actually, to be honest, neither of those are, are really stacks that I'm going after right now. I've done a little bit of Green Bay. I'm, I'm on full fade on the Chiefs right now. I just think they're all at their ceiling. I'd rather let everybody else go that route, and I'm going to gobble up a bunch of value in those early rounds. Um, but let's let's take a look at one with a with a late round QB. Um, we're going to look at Cincinnati that, and I, I just mentioned Geo and Joe Mixon. So here's some pieces we're considering in the Cincinnati stack. Um, we have Andy Dalton at, at he goes at an ADP of 188. This is round 15. He's going as quarterback 26 off the board. So let's just stop right there before we talk about any of the other pieces. When we're looking for a stack, remember we're looking for value. We're looking for offenses that are going to greatly outperform uh, what the expectation is. The expectation of quarterback 26 or the expectation, which is a bottom 25% offense, might be completely wrong. This is super, super cheap. What are we? Let's remember what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a, a completely new offense. Completely new offensive mind. Head, head coach Zach Taylor, uh, quarterbacks coach. He's bringing an offense, a new offense into Cincinnati that's been stale for years and years and years. 
I expect it to be more up-tempo. I expect some people to perform well in this offense. Um, I think I think we can we can look at this and and make a case for all of the players I'm about to name really out potentially outperforming their value. So we're looking at AJ Green with an ADP of 35. I, I believe I talked about him in episode one as one of the value plays in in best ball drafts right now. He goes in round three or round four. You don't have to reach very hard for him. He falls to you in in round four pretty regularly. Um, and sometimes you just say you don't go even go into a draft planning to make a Cincinnati stack, but there you are in the middle of four round four, and AJ Green falls into your lap, and you say, "Oh, great! I'll grab AJ Green now. I'll grab Andy Dalton in the fifteenth round, and I'll fill in a piece in between, and I got a nice little stack." And if Cincinnati turns out to not be a bottom twenty-five percent offense, I'm, I'm I hit value on every single one of my plays. Um, so. AJ Green, great, I, I believe great value, great standalone value, but also great stacking value and super easy to stack with Dalton. And that's one of the things we're looking for here uh, sometimes is stacks that are really easy to put together. So this this is definitely an example of that. You got Tyler Boyd in round six, ADP, ADP of 67. So again, if you want to be unique, if you want to, if you want to build a, a, a Cincinnati stack without AJ Green and you know, he's got a toe injury. He went down last year for a significant amount of time. Um, by the way, I want to pause for a minute and just say, go back and watch the beginning of AJ Green's year last year. Man, did he look good. That offense was cooking, it's surprisingly so. Um, so that's in part what I'm basing this stack around is just the hope that they can come out the gates as hot in 2019 as they did in 2018. Um, but you got Tyler Boyd in round six. And now some some other pieces that are super easy to grab that you may or may not be interested in. Um, you can look at Tyler Eifert in uh, round 15 at 182 overall. Um, I don't love it any more than you do. But as we talked about in the previous episode, this is the time of the year when you can grab these guys who have these huge question marks around them. And I, Eifert has just about the biggest question mark of anybody due to his injury history. Um, you can grab him at this really depressed value because nobody knows yet. If Eifert performs really well all throughout training camp, he's going to shoot up and be a top 12 tight end, um, almost certainly. Um, but you can get him now at, at a significantly depressed value. Um, that's not really where I'm going with this stack. I'm actually looking a lot at John Ross, and I know that's crazy, um, but I'm I'm willing to gamble on John Ross right now. So I'm doing I'm doing some some AJ Green in the third and fourth, John Ross in the seventeenth or eighteenth, and I'll I'll just grab Dalton in between at round fifteen. Um, so that's a super easy stack to make. But then we look and and we look at our running backs here so we have joe mixon that you can mix in here and now we're talking about getting unique um we're talking about a guy who definitely satisfies all the three conditions i, I gave above of a guy who can catch put up a lot of catches can get a lot of yards and can score a lot of touchdowns and some of those touchdowns can be on receptions meaning that we're getting uh excellent value for dalton as well um 
So so Mixon is a good good if you really like the Cincinnati stack, um, don't just limit yourself to the wide receivers here. Start looking at Mixon to get unique. Um, and additionally, then we have Gio Bernard, who I mentioned earlier. He's going at an ADP of 200. He's going in round 16 or 17. Um, honestly, if you like Gio, um, I actually just started looking at him again. I kind of, I, I kind of wasn't drafting him at all, but I just started looking at him, and and I like these pass catching backs in the very late rounds, round 16, 17. You can reach for him. You can grab Gio in the 15th, whatever you want. Um, he's gonna he's gonna outperform that value. We know that. And if Mixon goes down at all, he's going he he's if he's not the true number one, he's gonna get enough of the work to perform like a like a round six running back, round eight running back. Um, he's well in consideration um, for that. So as I kind of already pointed out, why I like this stack is it's so cheap and it's so easy to build. Um, you can spend a lot of your time in the early rounds just drafting a really solid best player available type of draft. You grab your guys, you fill out the tight end position earlier than you would. You fill out, uh, you, you get some really good workhorse running backs early, um, and you grab a lot of your stack late. Um, so, so that's always that makes life a lot easier when you're stacking. It also pairs well with other stacks, and I do this a lot. I'll, I'll do a double stack. Um, to use a Green Bay example again, you can probably run a Green Bay plus Cincinnati stack where you're grabbing three and four players from each team and still have a really nice-looking roster in between there. Um, an- another thing um, that that is sort of interesting about this stack is John Ross goes undrafted a fair amount of the time. Um, he's, he's an 18th round pick that doesn't always get picked. If the, if this guy outperforms expectations, even a little bit, you are so much more unique than anybody else just simply due to the fact that he's not in even half of the, half of the lineups that will play in this tournament. The likelihood that you're going to be up against him in week 13 or week 14 is really, really low. Um, this is a guy who can win you a million bucks, uh, I, w- I won't be unhappy if John Ross uh, bricks the entire year and then week 16 catches two touchdowns. Um, that, that might work out really well. Um, so that's, this, is a, this is a stack that I really like to let come to me. I don't force this one at all. To be honest, this is like a back burner stack for me where a lot of times I'm just looking at where we're at at the end of the at the end of the draft, uh, I'm in round 12, and I say, oh, you know what? I do have A.J. Green, or I do have Joe Mixon on this team. Let me grab up a couple pieces here. I'll get Eifert, Dalton, and John Ross, um, and I, I feel like I've put something together that can win a million bucks. Um, so that's a late-round QB stack. Let's move to a, another stack, and this is a stack I've been stacking a lot, where we're going to have to dedicate some resources early, and that's Houston. Um Houston obviously has has some some big pieces early. We got DeAndre Hopkins uh, going off the board in essentially the seventh spot. He's always gone in the first round. You're never going to see him there in the second round. And Deshaun Watson is the third QB off the board. Um, ADP of 65. He typically goes in round five or round six. Um, when I'm making the stack, I'm 
usually reaching for him. I don't mind reaching for him. I think Deshaun Watson is going to have an excellent, excellent year. Uh, I think I think things have been improving enough in Houston with the offensive line that we can expect something a little bit. I mean, it's not like he was bad last year, but so, uh, I, I think splitting the difference between last year and the year before is is reasonable when we're talking about the range of outcomes for Deshaun Watson. Um, and then you're looking at two more pass catchers here in Will Fuller and Kiki Kuti. Uh, Fuller going at an ADP of 77, which puts him in about round six or round seven. And Kiki going at an ADP of 90, which puts him in round seven or round eight. Um so you're, this is really the core of the stack. Um, I like this stack a lot because it's compact. Um, it's got a low number of players that are even relevant in the offense. Yeah, you got potentially Deontay Foreman might catch some balls if, he, if it turns out he actually is healthy. Um, if you want to try to guess on a tight end, I guess you can, you can do that. You could get a tight end from Houston in the 18th round every time. If I was doing that, I would look at Jordan Thomas, but to be honest, I haven't drafted Jordan Thomas once yet. And I, I'm not at this point, I'm not going, I'm not going there. Um, but you could grab some Deontay Foreman to get a little unique maybe. Um, but really what I'm doing is I'm just sticking to the core. Um, a lot of DeAndre Hopkins, with Deshaun Watson, Deshaun, Wat- Deshaun Watson, and then either Will Fuller or Kiki QT or both of them, and and this is one of these ways that we get unique. Just grab them all, um, and and maybe reach a little for all of them just to make sure you get them, and all of a sudden you have a, a unique um, a unique stack here. Um, it's it's also just an offense with obvious explosive potential. Um, you have you you have such high upside we've seen it with will fuller obviously with deandre hopkins and one of the things that i think is in play here is that with such a low number of relevant players in the offense i i kind of think fuller and qt should have a little bit higher adp you look at guys like let's say like mike williams calvin ridley who who have i would say similar profile and similar upside to Will Fuller um, and yet they're going significantly earlier a couple rounds earlier and I think what's happened is that the injury risk is is just depressed these guys values um, and it's baked in here and probably unfairly so um, it's not I mean obviously they get injured a lot but when they don't their best ball they're they're absolute gems for best ball um, you, if you can get 12, 14 games out of Fuller and Kuti, they really should outperform their current ADPs. So this is an easy stack in that there's not a lot of players to select from, but it's less likely to be unique overall. And it, it does gobble up a lot of resources early. We're grabbing, we're, we're grabbing a player in the first round, the fifth round, the sixth round, and the seventh round, let's say. Um, this means we've, we've passed on some really good options in there, and maybe we're, we're a little, struggling a little bit to find um, some good running backs and some tight ends, and we have to make up for that in the later rounds. 
um, you're going to feel some pressure when you when you make these stacks. Even if you're just going like Hopkins, Watson, Fuller, you're going to feel a little bit of pressure here. You're going to look at your lineup after round seven and just say, this isn't really where I want it to be. But don't worry. Don't fret. That's why we, we just push through, start grabbing our value plays, and, and draft a bunch of them in a row, and you'll, you'll start to get more comfortable with it. Um, so another stack that is somewhat similar in that it does feature some high-value earlier players um, is the Atlanta Falcons stack. Um, and I... It, this one doesn't carry as much pressure as the Houston stack because it's it, it's spread out a little bit more over a few more rounds. Um, you also have the ability to select from a few more players. Um, so uh, let's dive into this one. We got Julio Jones going at 13, an ADP of 13, which means he's you, you're grabbing him in the first or second round uh, right at the turn there. Um, don't be scared to reach. If you want to make the stack and you're sitting at seven overall and you and you just want to grab Julio and make the stack, just go for it. It doesn't matter. It's not like Julio Jones is guaranteed to under to to be worse than the the twelve players that are in front of him um, at ADP thirteen. Just just do it if you want it. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you're only drafting one of these, probably don't. But you can you can get them there. It doesn't make any difference. Um, we got Calvin Ridley going in the fifth round. Um, I, I don't like this value for Calvin Ridley at all. I think he I think it's his ceiling. Um, basically his ceiling with, with some exceptions. Um, but if you want to make the stack, then now we're not worried so much about him being at his ceiling. We just need him to perform at fifth round fifth round or better than fifth round value. Um, so so grab Calvin Ridley there. Uh, Matt Ryan goes in at 88 overall. Um, so this puts him in round seven or round eight. It's QB six off the board. I think Matt Ryan has QB one potential for the year. Um, this is one of the reasons I'm happy to make this stack. I think this Atlanta offense could significantly outperform expectations. Um, there's some things that have to fall into place. The offensive line does have to be a little bit better. Devontae Freeman probably has to be healthy for the whole year. And uh, the whole system needs to click under um, uh, Dirk Cutter here, um, but it certainly could. Um, and Matt Ryan's proved it before uh, that he can be an MVP caliber quarterback. Um, and one of the nice things is this: all the pieces are there. They're static. They remain the same. Um, they also play in the dome a lot. They're going to play fast games. They're going to play. They they play a lot of up tempo games against uh, high powered offenses, and their defense isn't that great. So, I love Matt Ryan as a value, whether you're stacking him or not. But if you are uh, looking to make this stack, I I especially love it. Um, so our pass catchers, we got Julio so far. We got Kelvin Ridley in the fifth round, um, and then we're looking at uh, Austin Hooper. Um, tight end in round eight or nine. He goes with an ADP of 107. And Mohamed Sanu at 177 overall, which puts him in about round 14 or round 15. Um, 
and and this is where it, where I think it really gets fun. Sanu to me is one of the most interesting uh, best ball players to draft, and I've I've been thinking about him a lot lately. Um, I believe he has such a stable floor, which is really unique for a round fourteen or fifteen guy. Um, but he ha- but he has a lot of potential for upside, um, and not only if Julio or Calvin Ridley go down, which to be honest, I don't think affects his value that much. It's almost like if Matt Ryan is good this year, Mohamed Sanu will will crush this value. Um, he's just a very stable piece of a very stable, productive offense, and he's not going anywhere. Usually in round 14 or 15, we're, we're taking shots on guys. We're, we're looking at guys who really – a lot of them are unlikely to put up any numbers for the year, let alone have like wide receiver one potential in any given week. And I think Sanu has that potential with the really high floor. So we're, I think, I think I'm going to have to dedicate a, another uh, little segment somewhere down the line to certain of these late round guys who have these really stable floors because, and it's, it's unique because in best ball, we're typically not looking for a stable floor, but with a guy who who is you're drafting in the 14th or 15th round, who you know can show up in your lineup consistently week after week, there's there's this odd type of value there that goes against the the whole best ball philosophy of draft for upside. Um, but he brings a stability that might help you get through weeks one through 12 um, that you might really like. But again, we're just relying on the basic premise that the Atlanta Falcons offense is going to outperform expectations. Um, so, so let's talk about this. You, you, you grab Julio in round one, you grab, uh, you, maybe you grab Ridley in round five. Maybe you don't. Maybe Ridley's one of those guys where if he slips to you at the end of five or into six, you grab him. But if he does, if if somebody takes him off the board earlier than that, you just ignore it. You grab, you reach for Matt Ryan. You grab him in round seven, and then um, and then you got your option of taking Austin Hooper, who I think has m- more upside than than um, his ADP would suggest. Um, I think he's going off the board as tight end. Going off the board is tight end 11 right now. Um, he's not going to perform as a, one of the top three or four or five tight ends, but he could finish here as number six or seven or eight easily. So you can get some value there. And, and really what we're looking is for a touchdown in week uh, 13, a touchdown in week 16. Um, and it, when Matt Ryan goes uh, for 350 yards and four touchdowns, Two of them to Julio Jones and one of them to Austin Hooper. That's that's a good way to win a million bucks. Um, so, and and then here's our our one last way to get unique is to um, to grab Devonte Freeman again. He's one of these backs that satisfies our three conditions. Um, he is a, an absolute workhorse back. He's going to put up great numbers. You're getting him in the third round. For a running back who could easily finish in the top seven of all running backs this year, top five if he stays healthy, 
Um, he's a pass catcher. He could he can he can churn churn through a lot of yardage for Matt Ryan on uh, through the air. Um, he can get some touchdowns through the air. It helps your stack. Um, so I, I think he, you know, there's a lot of risk baked into Devontae Freeman this year, but getting him in the third round as part of this stack is a good way to get unique. Um, again, I like this, this stack because you really, you have time throughout your draft. You can, you can pick some pieces. You can let some pieces fall to you. If you miss them, you don't have to worry about it. You can just wait for the next one to come along. Um, and remember, if you got a guy that I'm not talking about that you like in this stack, if you have an 18th round uh, pass catching back or tight end or wide receiver that I'm just not talking about at all, grab them. Because if, if I'm not talking about them, nobody else is either. And, um, and that means he's not in a lot of lineups. And that means you're going to be unique. Um, one, more, one more point on the Atlanta um, offense here and the Atlanta stack. Um, Calvin Ridley is really nice. And even though I'm kind of down on him overall, the, the best thing about Calvin Ridley is that he profiles as a number one. If Julio Jones goes down, you know, a foot injury or whatever, Calvin Ridley is going to be the number one. Muhammad Sanu is not. Muhammad Sanu remains who he is. Calvin Ridley becomes the number one. The offense is going to go through him and, um, you have the potential to, so, you know, he's a great guy to fade Julio and build the stack around Ridley Ryan. Um, <clears throat> and that's something that you can't, you, you can't really say about, uh, let's say Will Fuller and Kiki Kuti. Um, you can't say about some of these other guys, but Ridley is the future of that team at some point, and, and he could step into that at any moment. All right, one more stack to round it off, and I'm going to give you a real late stack here, and you might not like it, but I'll tell you what, I do, um, and that's the Denver Broncos. I want to give you a little narrative to get behind here, and I, I love my narratives. That's what I, the Gamble Pod is about stories, it's about narratives, it's about, it's about uh, what the locker room's like, it's like, it's about what the atmosphere's like, it's about who's coming in, coming in with a you know, something to prove. And there's nobody who's more pissed off and has a bigger chip on his shoulder and has more to prove right now than Joe Flacco. Um, <clears throat> nobody's really talking about it because there's so many great storylines this offseason, but Joe Flacco is pissed right now. He lost his job to a guy who can't throw the football. Um, that's not pleasant for him. Joe Flacco is a, a fairly good passer historically, uh, throws a great deep ball, um, knows how to move the ball down the field, um, and he moved to a team that has, a, without any doubt, a good to a great defense. Um, I think they're going to be nasty this year. Bradley Chubb is, is, a, he is a monster opposite Von Miller. Um, we're going to see, it's going to be a fun defense to watch. I think they're going to put Denver in a lot of winnable games, if not positive, we won't say positive game scripts, but close enough that, uh, Denver's going to be moving the ball down the field and, and trying to score. Um, the O-line's improving, as I talked about in the previous episode, one of the things I'm keeping an eye on is, uh, the addition of Mike Munchak as the offensive line, uh, offensive line coordinator, um, offensive line coach. Um, 
he comes over from Pittsburgh. They have always had a very good offensive line. Let's see what kind of magic he can work here in Denver. Yes, that mean, should mean good things for the running game, but one of the things I like is to just go the other way. If everybody thinks the running game is the, the what's going to improve, that means the value on the pass catchers is continuing to be depressed. We're not talking about um, Case Keenum here. We're, we're not talking about um, Paxton Lynch here. We're talking about Joe Flacco. Uh, the, the guy can pass the ball. Um, and everyone in this stack is so cheap. It's, it's fun to put together because you, don't ha- you can do whatever you want for about 12 rounds before you even start thinking about making this stack. And another thing that's good about it is when you do get backed into a, a sort of a, a tough spot where let's say you drafted a bunch of running backs just because you couldn't pass up the value on them. Um, and now you're, you're just sitting there thinking, wow, I, I just have, I have no quarterback. I have no wide receivers. I, what am I going to do here? Start grabbing some guys, but relax because starting in round 12, you got Deshaun Hamilton. I'm sorry, round eight and nine, you grab Cortland Sutton um, if you want to. I've actually been fading him a lot in this stack and going straight to Deshaun Hamilton in round 12 or round 13. Um, I think Deshaun's going to have a great year. I think a lot of people are thinking that they don't want to go near this because they think the Emmanuel Sanders is going to show up and take all the work or or something. I don't really know. It doesn't even make sense. Emmanuel Sanders is 32 years old. He's recovering from a late season Achilles surgery. Um, and he's a player that relies on explosiveness and quickness in small spaces. None of those things, none of those things sound particularly positive to me. I love Emmanuel Sanders. I love watching him play. Um, I am on a full Emmanuel Sanders fade right now, and I think that Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton's value is depressed because people can't go let go of the idea that Emmanuel Sanders is the number one there. I don't think he is. I think, unfortunately, his career is mostly over. Um, so I'm looking at these two guys. I'm on the full Sanders fade. And then you got Flacco, who goes in round 18, if at all. So again, we can get a starting quarterback for an NFL team who doesn't even get it drafted 100% of the time in these best ball drafts. This is a good way to win a million dollars. Remember, this is the sort of stack where, yeah, Flacco's not going to carry you through weeks 1 to 12. He should pop up as the occasional contributor. Hopefully, some of the some of that chip on the shoulder and the and the uh, better offense than expected that I'm talking about actually emerges. But what we're really looking for is throw put it on Aaron Rodgers' back for weeks one through twelve, get great production out of him, and then have Flacco get hot in the late weeks of the year and carry you past uh, a stumbling Patrick Mahomes, a stumbling Aaron Rodgers, who, um, and and have Flacco show up with a with a couple nice games or even just one nice game in week 15 or 16, and that can take you all the way. Um, So you're going to be extremely unique with Flacco stacks. And um, if you're on the full Emmanuel Sanders fade, like I am, you really have to expect that Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton are going to outperform value. Um, You can also look at a guy like Tim Patrick, who... I don't know why he's completely forgotten him and maybe he won't be anything this year, but you can grab him in the 18th round. Nobody's, nobody's picking him up. He only played four games last year. He caught like 
well, he only started four games. He caught like 43 balls and he caught like 32 of them in those four games. Um, that's a complete guess. I'm actually at this point, not really drafting Tim Patrick, but I don't mind if, if you want to get him every once in a while in the 18th round. Um, the big question of course is who is the tight end one in Denver? We all know how Flacco loves to target the tight end. Um, if, they are smart. They will design some of the offense around that. They did just draft a tight end in Noah Fant in the first round of the draft this year that uh, certainly they have high hopes for and fits the, the uh, ideas that you would, you would think they would try to put into place if they're uh, playing to Flacco's strengths. Um, but first, uh, rookie tight ends don't always pan out. Um, they say he's pretty NFL ready, at least more so than most tight ends. But I just struggle to to hand the position to a to a rookie tight end. Um, but there really isn't a great option behind him either. You got Jeff Hireman who has popped up every once in a while, and I look at Jeff Hireman all the time because I want him to score a touchdown in a showdown slate for me someday. Um, and then you got Jake Butt, who's now two years out from his ACL. Um, but there's not a lot of buzz about Jake, Butt, who, who had that same high draft, uh, capital pedigree as Noah Fant. There's not a lot of buzz about him really vying for a spot. Um, that's something I'm keeping a really close eye on. I do think we might start hearing more about Jake, Butt. um, the problem is the guy hasn't, I don't believe he's played an NFL game yet. Um, so he's essentially at the same point as Noah Fant, except I guess he's gotten to study the playbook a little bit more. Um, so keep an eye on this, uh, situation, um, throughout the off season here. I think a couple things are going to happen. We're going to learn who the tight end one in Denver is, and then we should start targeting him. I think we're also going to learn that Emmanuel Sanders is not going to be himself this year. And I think you'll start to see the values of Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton creep up. Um, I don't think Flacco is going to creep up much, but the fact that you can get him now when he's not even getting drafted in, in all, uh, tournaments is sort of ridiculous in my mind. So I'm, I'm actually, uh, building this stack somewhat regularly and all right. So that is a lot of, um, different looks at some different stacks that we can make this year for the for the best ball championship um remember the bigger picture here you may disagree with everything i just said about all these players all these teams that's that's kind of what the gamble pot is built around um remember we're taking high variance plays in order to try to win big big first prizes um so i look at certain high variance plays I, I agree with you that Joe Flacco is not going to be one of the best performing quarterbacks this year. But if he does on occasion, then I, I might hit. But let's say you agree, you disagree with me completely, and I am completely wrong. Go your own route here. I'm, not, I'm trying to give you the tools to, to build the stacks of the stories that you believe in. So, so go take a look and uh, um, remember when you are in here grinding through lineup after lineup, be thinking about getting unique. Be thinking about 
navigating the different spots. Back yourself into a few corners that don't feel entirely comfortable. Let's say go go wide receiver, wide receiver in, in round one and two, then grab Mahomes, then grab Tyreek Hill, then grab Sammy Watkins in three, four, and five, and see where that puts you. Now you're, you're on a quarterback and four wide receivers through the first five rounds. That's called getting backed into a corner. You got to start scrambling hard to fill those running back and tight end positions. Just see how it feels. There's nothing wrong with throwing $5 at that, at that um, specific scenario. And because we all saw it from last year, that could pay off big. Um, and, and don't, don't let it stress you out when it doesn't work out um, or when you feel like you have a, a plan um, that's falling apart. Just pivot off, of, pivot off of it. Don't get static in these drafts. Don't feel like you have to get a certain player at a certain time. If it's not working out, just get away from it. Um, you're going to have a lot of drafts that you love, and you're going to have a lot of drafts that you actually didn't really like. It's amazing how much variety pops up in these things. So I'm going to close it out. If you haven't signed up on Draft yet, go to draft.com backslash roar. Um, that's R-O-A-R. Also, I really want to hear from you. I want questions. I want you to give me some uh, topics that you're struggling with related to best ball or DFS. So find me um, on Instagram. I'm A underscore Ivanovich under, underscore roars. And find me on Twitter. I'm Ivanovich underscore roars. Um, and soon we're going to be doing some content on Twitch. Um, most especially lots of live drafting. So find me on there. Add me now. You'll get a notification when I go live on Twitch. And that's A underscore Ivanovich. Um, we'll have lots more coming soon. I got some good episodes coming up. We're going to talk about things like early round players that I'm fading. Uh, we're going to do a math episode where we dive into lots of different math on ownership percentages um, in best balls and um, what it's going to take to advance through the rounds and what it's going to take to win. Um, we're going to do a, a gambling episode focused on futures bets like Super Bowl bets and prop bets, um, including player props and lots of other fun stuff. Um, so lots more coming up soon. Uh, follow me on social media. I'll post um, when new podcasts get released. I'll post when I'm going live on Twitch. And uh, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us for episode number two of the Gamble Pod. Good luck, have fun in all your drafts, and we will talk again soon.